0: Harley Davidson history is the subject of a new miniseries by Discovery Channel. And actor Bug Hall, who plays the part of Arthur Davidson in the series, is coming on to talk about the making of the film and why authenticity was king when it came to the filming process. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us, we got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manicum, Nick Sanders, Terry Borden, Sandy Borden, Jack Borden, Jack Borden. Graham Field, Austin Vince, Jason Spafford,
1: Lisa Murray, David Peterson, Rachel, Ed March, Glenn Hickstead, Dr. Gregory W. Fraser, Dave Barr, Michelle Lampier, Tiffany Coates, Herbert Schwartz. Brett Tux, Zoe Cano, Nathan Millward, Graham Hoskins, Joe Russ, Jeremy Cracker, Simon Thomas, Lisa Thomas, Simon
0: Pavey, Grant Johnson, Robert Wicks, Sid Simon,
1: Elizabeth Martin, This is Teach McNeil here and you are listening to Adventure Rider Radio, the voice of moto travel.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, serving adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter, too. It's free. That's maxbmw.com and Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and B-Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll need a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and will inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, and get this, it comes with a lifetime warranty. It's the pump we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. Visit them at CyclePump.com That's CyclePump.com <music> Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles, tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. Green Chili Adventure Gear is also the exclusive USA distributor for Outback Motor Tech, a Canadian company that specializes in high-quality protection for motorcycles. Visit them at www.greenchiliadv.com. Greenchiliadv.com. How many horses does she have? We estimated at three, sir. Quite a substantial machine, but there's your problem, too. What the hell does that mean? How heavy is it? About 140 pounds, give or take. I'm sorry, you can't participate. I thought this was an open event. Yes, but there's a weight limit. Safety considerations for others. Oh, come on.
1: You're making this up. You don't want us on the track. Uh huh. You're afraid we'll win. Keep this up, I'll be ejected from the grounds. You built this as an opportunity for upstarts, when it's really just self-promotion. You're a fraud, Mr.
0: Hendy! Multi-faceted. Do you leave on your own, or do you need help from my boys? It's okay. We're leaving. Whoa. What? We're racing. We're leaving. What? No! Good luck, Mr. Handy! Such a shame! That was an excerpt from Harley and the Davison's, a new miniseries just aired from Discovery Channel. In that clip, you hear a confrontation between Mr. Hendy of Indian Motorcycles and the Davison's as Hendy attempts to block the Davison's new motorcycle from a race. The name Harley-Davidson is synonymous with motorcycling. It's a household name. And today, it probably conjures up images of large motorcycles cruising the open road, perhaps representing freedom for many. But the true roots of Harley-Davidson are firmly planted in the dirt. Back in 1901, Bill Harley drew up plans for an engine that would fit into a bicycle frame. And together with Arthur and Walter Davison, they sold their first Harley-Davidson motorcycle in 1903. Now, it's notable, these guys were not from wealthy families, the Harleys and the Davisons. Arthur and Walter Davison and Bill Harley were sons of poor immigrants, and they didn't have capital to start up a motorcycle company. They started the company with little more than a dream, fueled by an almost desperate desire for success. In a way, they had no choice. They couldn't fail. And as you can imagine, it wasn't easy for many, many reasons. The least of which was that in the beginning, Harley-Davidson was competing with over 150 other companies that were also manufacturing and selling motorcycles. That alone would be daunting enough to stop most people from competing. Yet it was through competition, particularly on the racetrack, that ultimately earned Harley-Davidson the reputation for speed and durability that allowed them to capture the market. And even before the seed for Harley-Davidson was planted... Indian motorcycles had already established themselves as a leader. Yet when Harley-Davidson came on the scene, they managed somehow to gain the edge over Indian. And by 1931, Indian motorcycles stood alone as Harley-Davidson's sole American competitor. When the Discovery Channel approached us to do this interview, we began to do some research into the miniseries that they produced, as well as into Harley-Davidson itself, and it really reminded us, or sort of underscored, just how integral Harley-Davidson's history is with the history of the motorcycle itself, and how connected it is with the bikes we ride, the bike you ride, no matter what your make or model is. The miniseries is called Harley and the Davisons, and in our opinion, Discovery Channel has done an excellent job reproducing the history of Harley-Davidson's early years when the company was founded and how it built its reputation on making the fastest, most reliable motorcycles in the world, as well as the history and evolution of the motorcycle itself in that time period. The role of Arthur Davison, one of the three founders, was played by actor Bug Hall. Bug, Who's probably best known for his role as Alf Alpha in The Little Rascals is a rider himself, logging an estimated 1 million miles on various bikes. He's a genuine motorcycle enthusiast, and he had a good insight into the making of the film as well as the producer's mandate to keep things as authentic as possible. I'm speaking with Bug Hall, who plays Arthur Davison in the Discovery Channel miniseries, Harley and the Davisons. Bug, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you, Jim. This must be really exciting for you because I I understand you have a motorcycle background.
1: I do have a motorcycle background. Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I grew up on bikes, uh, really, from the time I was a baby. I mean, my my dad used to put me on on his gas tank and and cruise all over the place. Um, I had my first bike when I was 14, and I, I rode all through my through my teens and early 20s, uh, back and forth across America about 10 times, and uh, down to Texas and back uh, to L.A. You know, probably twice that. Um, bikes were a really big part of my life growing up. Uh, that was that was kind of the initial. The initial appeal um, for me uh, was was that aspect of it. Uh, and then getting into the story and the history was was sort of a bonus.
0: But how did you come up with it or how did you get the name Bug? That's not your real name, is it?
1: <laughs> no, it's a nickname. Um, like most kids, uh, you know, my mom had a nickname for me. The funny story about my name, though, is that when she introduced me to my teacher in kindergarten, she introduced me as my legal name, which is Brandon. And I had I had actually never heard it before. Uh, <laughs> I thought my name was bug and I kind of went into panic mode. You know, when you're a kid, you don't have any like context, you know, so you kind of have to make up the rules of the universe as you go. Uh, I, I immediately assumed, oh, I guess everybody had a different name and then they get a new name when they go to school. Uh, <laughs> and that didn't sit well with me. I was like, I don't want a new name. I want to keep my old name and I was trying to figure out well what was everyone else's name so everyone had a different name Uh, my mom explained it to me and the teacher explained it to me and I corrected them and said no no it's bug and it'll stay bug so bug it still is
0: so you've never used Brandon
1: nope nope (laughs) just in court
0: (laughs) well we won't go there but I'm curious about the whole bike thing because you'd mentioned that you've been riding for a long time but I saw somewhere 12 crashes what's the deal
1: uh, I don't have that part of my brain that is slow down. Right? Uh, temperance is where that resides. No, no that's I just, that's
0: male, isn't it? I mean, that's just being male. No, you <laughs> you you've got something else there, bug.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I just like to go fast, man. I I I can't I can't temper that that part of me. Um, you know, I've been stopped multiple times for you know going way too fast, and I've I've wrecked a lot of bikes. Uh, I like to push things. I like to push things kind of as, as far as possible and, and test the limits. Um, I've recently given up riding. Uh, I got engaged and uh, I want to have, I want to have a bunch of kids. So, uh, I've given up riding at least for the time being. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved racing and I loved, I, I just love being on a bike. I don't think there's any better place to be. How long have you been off of riding? <laughs> Man, this project was so perfectly timed because I had just decided, like a month before, that I was going to give up uh, motorcycles, you know, to raise kids. And uh, this project came along, so it was like the perfect cap. I literally had just made the decision, like uh, last February.
0: You figured out that, or at least um, guessed that, you've done about a million miles now.
1: Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, You know, my my first bike in. Uh, well, not my very, very first bike. My, the first bike that I bought myself, my dad gave me my first bike, the Honda Shadow, and then uh, I bought a, a an R1200C. Um, that R1200C, within six months, uh, had almost 100,000 miles on it. I missed every job opportunity that came along in that first year because I was literally on my bike almost, uh, you know, every second of that year.
0: Wow. Well, let, let's talk about this Discovery Channel miniseries, Harley and the Davidsons. It is very cool. Anybody who's into motorcycles is going to love this. What is it all about? As if the listener doesn't know.
1: <laughs> um, it's uh, it's really about the three founders of Harley Davidson, Bill Harley, uh, and then Arthur and Walter Davidson. It's about their mutual love of this machine and and of, of its capabilities and the tug and pull of their different visions and how it in my opinion, created uh, the greatest motorcycle of all time.
0: Now, when you say that, I assume that you were already into Harley davidsons You already knew the history with Harley and Davidson.
1: I did know a lot of the history. I learned a, a ton more once I got into the project. Um, but, uh, I knew the company and I knew the machine, uh, but really understanding the history and, and the founders as human beings, it's it's kind of a funny thing to look back on history and sort of form these iconic images because these guys were not icons in their own minds, right? They were very humble country boys who loved to fish. In fact, the first motorcycle they built was so that they could get to their fishing hole and then back home for supper. You know, th- they certainly didn't see themselves as icons and they certainly, uh, I don't think, thought the world would view them as icons um, but their company has turned into this this amazing thing that uh, makes amazing machines, and it really is because of the character of these three guys.
0: Well, they wouldn't have been icons, really, if it hadn't have turned out this way. I mean, there was a lot of other people who made bikes; it didn't go anywhere, and they're almost forgotten in history with a you know a brief little note. It's really where Harley Davidson has ended up that makes them icons, isn't it?
1: That's right. Uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing, though, is that even though they were these, these humble guys that, that really just loved the machine, it was their ingenuity and their tenacity and their virtue that really set Harley Davidson apart. Um, you know, Arthur was, was such a brilliant salesman, uh, and he really understood, uh, markets and, and he really understood uh, the American sort of person and what they wanted and then the foreign markets and what they wanted and how to adapt, right? Uh, being able to adapt, I think is sort of the such a crucial point in any company, and these guys just knew how to adapt. Bill Harley was a genius engineer, and he was always adapting the machine uh, to move into the future, and that's that's where these guys were really set apart.
0: Almost a bit of a perfect storm, isn't it? The three of them all bringing something to the table that was needed to get the company where it is.
1: Yes, it really was a perfect storm of personalities and of of sort of visions, you know, and especially because. You can have, you know, three brilliant guys and then they can, you know, never sync up or, or never sort of make, uh, make the right choices because they can't agree or whatever. But these guys found a way to, I think, empower each other to be the best version of themselves and to, uh, sort of, they challenged each other in a way that really made this machine special. Why you for Arthur? <laughs> uh, it's funny that you ask why me for Arthur because I – what drew me to the character was that I'm so different from him. Arthur is such a charismatic guy, man, and he, he just knew how to talk and he knew how to sell. Uh, he, you know, Everything I read about him always talked about him being just this charming man with a golden tongue that could just sell you anything. And I've never seen myself that way. I, I own a company as well, and and my business partner I've always admired for his ability to just just own a room and just speak to people, and, and you know uh, people are drawn to him. It's something I've always admired in people. Uh, and when I when I first read this, and I was looking at the at the different characters, you know, the fact that that was so challenging for me, um, you know, I've always admired Paul Newman, right? And Paul Newman just had a way of just kind of like owning the screen. I wanted to bring some of that to Arthur and I wanted to accept that challenge. So that was what made Arthur appealing to me.
0: How do you get into a character like that? Like who tells you exactly what Arthur was like, what sort of research do you have to do to bring out who he supposedly was? Because it's it's, sorry. It's a huge uh, responsibility, isn't it? Because it's up to you to make his character authentic. And that's what this whole mini series is about is about authenticity.
1: Yes. Uh, you know, every actor takes a different approach to historical filmmaking and uh, authenticity is, is always the goal. It's always what you're aiming for. And, and discovery was so strong minded on that, um, which I, I was so grateful for because that was also the most important part to me was really making this thing as authentic as possible. Uh, and that means that I got to trust in the work that they did before I got there. So I was able to to start with the foundation of what was in the script and really, really sort of hone that character. Uh, And then, you know, the weeks leading up to filming, I was able to do some research and find all the nuggets. Um, You know, one of the biggest aspects of the character uh, for me historically of the man, Arthur Davidson, was even though he was this charming, charismatic, golden tongued guy, everyone talked about how fair he was and how. Uh, humble he was and how uh, family oriented he was, you know, all of those traits that usually seem to uh, be diametrically opposed to charm and charisma. Um, and so finding that tightrope and and balancing that was, uh, was really crucial for me. And, you know, on a great project, there's always like a, a, a tug and a pull. I did just like the founders of this company kind of tugged and pulled each other to get the best version. And on this one, for me, the hill that I was always willing to die on was Arthur's virtue in his character. Um, you know, the fact that, that when he meant something, uh, he followed it through, right. When he said something, he meant it and, and he, he just saw it through to the end. Um, I really love that about the man and and you are beholden to, to history. You are beholden to who the guy is, right. You know, uh, he meant something to people and there were people that actually existed that actually loved him because of the man that he was.
0: Well, and, and speaking of authenticity, I mean, when you see the film, you see it in the film. It's everywhere. The bikes, the whole bit. It must have been amazing to be around those bikes and even get a chance to ride them.
1: Oh, man, I was like a kid in a candy factory. Yeah, I mean, every day I was giddy. Every day they were wheeling in some new contraption, you know, from the from the early sort of Frankenstein bikes to uh, to the VLs and then eventually the knucklehead. And, you know, at one point they had an eight valve racing bike that was, you know, that was a prototype historically. And I mean, it was just nuts to get to see these things wheeled in day in and day out and to watch the evolution of the machine. It really was the bike or, you know, just sort of uh, loosely said, you know, bike uh, was a character in this. Right. Motorcycle was a character. And we got to develop that character in a really special way and for me, it was just a ton of fun. Uh, and, and Discovery was kind enough to let me uh, jump on a couple of them and, and even wreck one and break a collarbone. So.
0: <laughs> you know, Bug, I, I really get now, like when I hear that you're going to stop riding, it sort of makes you go, ah, oh. but you know, <laughs> you might be making a, a wise choice there. How did you manage to wreck the bike?
1: Uh, so <laughs> I was dropping into a corner and first of all, I, you know, I walked in really puffed up, right. Like I was going on and on about my bike experience and, um, I'm very competitive. If I'm, if I'm with a bunch of bikers, I have to be in front. Um, and, and my goal is to get smaller and smaller, uh, you know, uh, in the, in the distance. And so we were, we were on a flat track going into this corner and, and I was, I was pushing a, a, away from Mikel and man, I, as I drop in, I went to feather the clutch and, and, you know, uh, hit the throttle and, and, you know, dump the clutch and get some, you know, get some power going around the corner. And I forgot momentarily that these old bikes, uh, that where the clutch is, uh, is actually the front brake. So <laughs> from my perspective, it was in the wrong place. <laughs> um, historically it was accurate, but you know, uh, I'm just used to the clutch being where it's supposed to be. And when I tapped that front brake, I was already pretty maxed out. And, uh, I went down like lightning.
0: Doesn't that sort of throw off the whole filming thing when you know one of the actors ends up breaking a collarbone?
1: You know what's funny is I was laying there. I remember laying there. I went over the bike, and the, then the bike went over me. And um I remember laying there, kind of chuckling to myself. And then my very next thought, though, is, man, this is like a dream job for me, and I'm going home now. <laughs> Discovery was so gracious, though. They worked with me on getting the collarbone back in shape and moved a couple things around, and. Uh, you know, it was a fun story and, and I don't know, I like crashing bikes. So I, I was, you know, like I said, I was a kid in a candy store and, and, and they let me, uh, they let me stay, which was, <laughs> which was nice. So what do
0: we see in the film? You know, where does Harley Davidson start and where does it end throughout the miniseries?
1: Uh, that's another thing that I, that I really commend the the, the guys that developed this for pulling off. Condensing, Thirty-six years into a six-hour time frame, um, you know, I, I do a lot of writing, um, and as a writer, I, I was so blown away by by the work they did there, keeping the authentic historical accuracy, and yet also getting so much of the story in here. So we we really start on the ground floor, right? We start 1901. Where this thing is really brewing as an idea, um, and where these guys don't have very uh, many prospects, you know, these poor country kids, and then watching the company develop, watching the invention of the machine, watching the sort of the mad scientists uh, at work, if you will, back in the original shed, and then taking it through to finding the. Uh, I, I was talking to the guys that developed it and finding the. Um, a good victory moment because there's so many, right? And so the question is, which victory do you end on, right? Mm-hmm. Is it is it them persevering after World War I? is it them toppling Indian as the as the biggest motorcycle company in the world, is it some personal victory? What is it? And I think I think every biker on the planet who knows Harley Davidson could agree on the fact that the Knucklehead is the crowning uh, achievement of, of sort of the early days of the company. It's the greatest motorcycle ever made. And uh, that was really the smart place to, to to cap this story. And when I was first sort of skimming through, I was expecting it to be something really worldly, you know, something, some big financial gain or some big, you know, uh, you know I, I didn't know the guys at Discovery too well and, and I didn't think they knew bikes. Um, and when I saw that the victory was the knucklehead, I was like, these are guys that get it
0: hmm. Harley-Davidson at the start there is known for speed and, and the ability to go anywhere, run really strong and hard. But that's not really what it's known for now, though.
1: Right. No, that was the foundation of the company was that that idea of going anywhere, having having the most powerful, the, the, the most breathtaking machine that they could possibly make. Um, practicality is also also an aspect of, of that, though, right? That's where Arthur really stepped in, um, and historically, that's where that's where Bill Harley uh, was really uh, prominent as well. Making a machine that was the most powerful and the most reliable uh, was something that was just uh, spectacular at the time. And then, like all things, there's a development, right? There's a there's an evolution that happens, and it's about the fan base always, right? Uh, no product exists in a void. I spent some time in Milwaukee with the guys uh, at Harley, and they were gracious enough to open their doors to us and, and kind of let us have the have the the keys to the kingdom for a while. And we hung out with Willie G. Davidson, and you know, I mean, and it was just cool to see. They're like fanboys for their own, you know, their own product. Like they're they're one of the fans. They have you know they have the their biker nights where they where the fans just you know uh, Harley enthusiasts get to just show up and barbecue with the guys. Um, and so that's, you know, that's where the machine has, has sort of headed into the future is, uh, it's, it's, it's about sort of forging your own path and making your own way and defining your own rules. Really.
0: Harley wasn't even involved with the film, were they?
1: Uh, no, uh, they were not in any official way involved. Um, but they were, you know, like I said, they were gracious enough to give us the keys to the kingdom and, and let us run amuck in their, uh, in their museum and, and, and in the factory. And, uh, we spent a lot of time with the curator there and, uh, they appreciated the fact that we, we were doing our due diligence in, in just making this thing as authentic as possible. And I think they, uh, I think they wanted to, to provide what they could.
0: Stick around. We're going to be right back in just a minute with more from Bug Hall, actor in the new miniseries Harley and the Davisons. arrow stitch is one of the supporters of adventure rider radio now think of the last time you're browsing for riding suits and jackets how many of those that you looked at offered some sort of return policy you know you could go ride with it for a while and return it if you didn't like it probably none and for good reason they don't want you to wear it and then return it afterwards and i guess they think there's a possibility you may do that there's only one company I know of that has the confidence to offer a guarantee like that, and that's AeroStitch. AeroStitch offers the ride more guarantee. Try any Stitch one-piece R3 or road crafter riding suit for one month. If you're not riding more than you did before you received it, you can send it back for a full refund. No questions asked. Check their website for the details on it. But you got to ask yourself, why would they do this? Well, They're confident in their quality and their fit. For instance, they produce their garments in 41 sizes. That's not just small, medium, and large. And that means a better fit for you. They use top quality materials, proven designs, and their riders themselves. And that flows right through to the products they manufacture. www.aerostitch.com forward slash ARR. Make sure you use that URL forward slash ARR. That lets them know you came from Adventure Rider Radio. And for you, it's going to get you 10% off your next order. Or if you're a repeat customer, free shipping on your next order www.arostitch.com forward slash ARR and of course anytime you're dealing with them tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Tour USA Motorcycle Rentals and Tours is also a supporter of Adventure Rider Radio. Tour USA is a motorcycle rental company based near Seattle, Washington in the United States. And it's the perfect launching point for any trip along the west coast of the United States and Canada, boasting top destinations for adventure riders from around the world. Tour USA bikes are all equipped with protection for adventure travel, including pelican panniers, to ensure that if you drop it over, there's less potential for damage. Whether you're planning on renting a bike for your own solo adventure or whether you want to participate in a fully supported event with trainers, guides, and support vehicles, Tour USA is there to help your dream ride come true. Let Tour USA help you dream, plan, ride. www.tourusa.us That's www.tourusa.us And of course, anytime you're dealing with them, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. And now back with Bug Hall, actor who plays the part of Arthur Davison in the new Discovery miniseries, Harley and the Davisons. The bikes, were they authentic or were they knockoffs? Because there was crashes and everything. I mean, you guys ruined stuff.
1: Yeah, I think when they found out that I was I was going to be jumping on a couple, they, they took all the uh, the original ones and put them <laughs> back behind glass. Um, no, we had we had an amazing engineer. He was sort of our own personal Bill Harley, a guy named Alex Wheeler, who who uh, uh, built uh, like eighty something motorcycles from scratch. Um, and these are you know these are engines that don't exist anymore that you can't buy. Um, so that they you know they literally forged them you know out of uh, aluminum and, and then the earlier ones out of iron and steel and uh, they they literally made these things from scratch um because they knew that we were going to be wrecking them and although there are some of the early 1903 and even some of the earlier prototypes nobody wants to put those things on a track and and uh uh, you know risk losing them permanently to dirt and cement
0: but were they built with some modern specs in there like i don't know I, i just pictured like you know the brakes being better the thing handling a little bit better or is it really authentic
1: you would think so, wouldn't you? Um, that was my first question was why didn't we sneak some brakes in uh, on uh, some of the early racing bikes that didn't have brakes and like I said, authenticity was like that was like the uh, the catchword on set the bikes that that historically didn't have brakes didn't have brakes in our show. every last detail was was to spec Alex was so meticulous it was it was it was pretty impressive the stunt guys were were grumbling quite a bit as they were you know going over handlebars and going into each other and going into walls but it made for some great filmmaking and uh, there's something special about about just committing to to a concept and and running with it right and so the fact that we can look back someday and 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 see that every one of these bikes was made just precisely to spec was uh, to me something really special
0: the stunt guys grumbling, they're such whiners, because they're, they're they're the guys that are going to be taking the beatings every time a bike goes down, because it's not like, it's not like a car where you can set it up for film and, and have it all, yeah. you know, look like it's supposed to. You can't do that with a bike.
1: No, you know, in real life, there's no such thing as a fender bender on a bike. And uh, equally so, you can't fake a crash on a motorcycle, right? You have to really crash. It's just that simple. And, you know, they they didn't utilize uh, really any CG in, in, in any of this stuff. These were – you know, we had 30 stunt guys on, on motorcycles day in and day out, breaking bones, getting back on the bikes, taping up their arms. You know, every day uh, guys were going down. These guys were like superheroes.
0: Breaking bones?
1: Oh, yeah. We had uh, – you can't even count how many broken bones we had. We had this one South African guy um, who was like – Man, he was like something out of Mad Max. And uh, the guy had just like, it was like he was, I think he was born on a motorcycle. You know, he had one eye and he just, you know, he, he, he walked almost like an old cowboy, right. With, with that, like really bow legged thing. And, and you just slide a motorcycle between those legs and he's ready to go. And he went down, uh, he, I, he must've broke 10 bones on the project.
0: That is not a, a field that I would be interested in. I, mean, I can't imagine what it's like to get old if you've been a stunt man your whole life.
1: Man, these guys, these guys, if you want to find anyone that's really passionate about their job, just go talk to stunt guys because you, you can't be uh, dispassionate about something so painful, right? Uh, it, it's that passion that just keeps them going. This guy at one point, at one point, he broke his wrist. He high sided and broke his wrist and didn't tell anybody, taped it up, got back on the bike, uh, you know, went around for another couple hours of filming and then went down again, and when they went to the hospital, they were asking about you know, this and that, and, and they asked about his wrist, and they were like, when did you tape up your wrist after the accident? Uh, and he goes, oh no, 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 that was, that was from my, my accident earlier in the day, and I taped it up. And they said, well, it was broken the whole time. Oh,
0: not a summer job. No, no, Definitely. passion,
1: man, all passion. So where, where was the filming done for it? We shot in Romania. Um, you know, earlier on in the in the development process, uh, you know, a lot of locations were looked at, and it's funny because, uh, like I said, authenticity being the the real catchword uh, with this project, there's nowhere in the states where you can authentically shoot this, right? We've moved on into the future. Uh, we've we've developed. We've been so fortunate as a country to to modernize uh, that it, if we wanted to be authentic, uh, it sort of forced us to go find somewhere that hasn't really developed as much to find those really really brilliant turn of the century buildings to find functioning motor drones, you know, uh, uh, you know, just just a, a plethora of dirt roads and, and pine forests. And um, it was like being transported right back to 1901. Um, and it was just really cool. And, and we kind of had the, the, the run of the mill uh, insofar as uh, all of those early buildings and, and early towns. Uh, and, and we utilized them to the best of our ability.
0: Functioning motor drones?
1: there was a functioning motor drone. They, they literally did a Google search, uh, and found this, uh, this motor drone actually working and functioning, uh, in one of the places that they were already sort of scouting. And they're like, what are the odds of this? And you can't, I mean, you can't build one of these anymore, right? Uh, uh, you know, they were outlawed so long ago here in the States that, you know, they've, they've shrunken them down and they're sort of a carnival, uh, attraction now, but mm-hmm. an actual functioning racing motor drone is, uh, something spectacular to see.
0: Well, we've already talked about the stunt guys. I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody who would want to get on one knowing the history of them.
1: <laughs> the first day I was out there the first day with these guys and it was just kind of test runs and they were just kind of feeling it out. And it's funny because you can't, there's no going back once you're on the motor drone track, right? It's, it's, you're committed. There's 45 degree uh, banked tracks. So you don't stop, right? And once you're going, uh, you, you're, you're going until you're done and these guys, it was funny to watch them like kind of, you know, you want to take it easy at first, but once you hit those corners, if you're not full throttle, your bikes, you know, gravity's going to do the rest of the work and, you, and you're going down. So there was no real test phase for them. Like they had to just get out and do it.
0: But how reliable are the bikes? I mean, I know they're built now, but they're still built as sort of replicas. Are they reliable running machines?
1: They the bikes were, were really interesting because we had a, you know, uh, especially on the motor drone, there's so much, uh, so much G force and it's so much, so many forces being, you know, being uh, pushed onto these bikes that we had bikes snapping in half. There was one that literally snapped right in half during, during racing. And the guy just, just ate it. And then like four bikes, one ran over his head. The guy's fine. And, you know, a lot of people were, were kind of going, man, whoa, that's nuts. How did that happen? The reality is that's what was happening in real life, right? This was the biggest sport in America because it was so gruesome because it was, you know, it was like a gladiatorial event. Um, Part of the appeal was what are the limits of these machines, right? And really pushing them to those limits. So if you build them to spec, and you put them on the exact same kind of track that they were on 100 years ago you're going to get similar results uh, and those results were you know were these bikes being truly tested and uh, and just snapping and uh, you know doing amazing things um you know we uh, i saw some of the most spectacular motorsports uh, uh, that i've ever seen in my life while shooting this thing
0: i think you said at the start here early on that you think that harley davidson is the best motorcycle ever made is that correct
1: The knucklehead. Yeah.
0: The knucklehead in particular. Why is that?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question, but, um, (laughs) it's, uh, first and foremost it, it it's partially hindsight right the knucklehead really set the the kind of the last foundation of of what it meant to be a motorcycle and and everything kind of evolved out of that um and that you know there were a lot of great movements especially in the cafe racer movement and things like that in europe um but as far as american iron uh, the knucklehead really really uh, put the stamp on the scene so to speak from a more technical perspective uh we had reached kind of a limit of, of engineering as far as power and reliability, and Bill Harley threw the door wide open with his knucklehead design. Uh, the knucklehead was able to to draw, you know, draw more power than any bike had ever done at the time, and yet still, you know, still go two hundred thousand miles before uh, it needed to be replaced, or, or even, you know, even really looked at. So it was the engineering feat uh, that really set it apart. And it was also sort of the cultural response that that I think uh, solidified it in history.
0: For the whole series, and I realize there's a lot of filming in there, if you certainly if you've got that much time finished, edited, you had to film a whole load. What do you think the best parts are? What's going to be the sales pitch here for somebody who's thinking of watching it?
1: Wow, that's a tough one. There's so many aspects of this that that appealed to me, and I'm you know, I'm one guy, and and I'm already tugged in so many directions, right? The bikes, the excitement of of the wrecks, and the you know just the the action itself. Uh, but then at the same time, all of the the all of the adversity, right? The constant, you know. I, I was I was joking a lot on set that you know we don't really have bad guys in this thing. The world was sort of a bad guy in the sense that it was one bad circumstance after another world war one and then the the great depression and you know, and these guys just stuck it out and kept evolving and kept adapting the fact that it's multiple slices of Americana and you get to see these guys adapt to all of those different slices of Americana, I I think is probably the most appealing aspect. Everyone's going to find something to relate to. It's, it's relationships and then it's, it's wrecking motorcycles. And then it's some crazy piece of history. Um, we didn't have to do anything to this story other than just tell it, because it's that exciting.
0: We talked earlier about the characters, really the three main characters, really forming what Harley-Davidson is today, and, and that being sort of a synergy developed with the three of them. Do you think it could have been Indian? Could we be sitting here talking about Indian, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if it had been something that had changed?
1: Oh, man. Um, no. I don't think so. I know I know there's a whole crowd of fanboys that are going to be going I know. You're
0: gonna, come on. Seriously? I know.
1: <laughs> uh, look, I love Indians. Well, One of my best friends who I've ridden with for years and years and years as an Indian, and we've swapped bikes uh, a couple times because I just got to go for a ride on the Indian. Um, but a- a- as a company, the reason why Harley-Davidson made it an Indian has kind of come and gone over the years um, is because – Indian always took a very linear approach to, uh, to to how it sort of made business decisions, and the fact that you had three brilliant minds in Harley Davidson, and that sort of support system around it, right? That family dynamic that was constantly tugging and pulling and challenging, and then supporting and empowering. That's what made the difference. Um, and if you look back at the time, uh, that wasn't the case for really any of the other companies at the time, right? The, most of them were these very Henry Ford entrepreneurial uh, sort of uh, um, pillars uh, of men. Um, and when the times changed, uh, Harley-Davidson had had the support system of being multiple minds and and all challenging and supporting each other.
0: Indian was sort of portrayed in the movie as sort of a bravado type character and a singular character, which you sort of just said there. Is that real? Do you think that's that really reflects you know, history?
1: Well, with every story, um, you know, with every story, there's there's certain things that get keyed up and certain things that get keyed down. You know, I, Indian did some really brilliant stuff over the years, especially uh, from an engineering perspective. And they had they had so much foresight. For a long time. But, you know, I, I do think it's true. I do think it's true that the fact that they were very single minded really made all the difference, right? It was so much in the early days, it was so much about the racing and it was so much about that sort of one track concept. Whereas Harley Davidson was constantly adapting. Uh, the fact that they, you know, the fact that they partnered with Ford at one point and created a, a really efficient machine that, that could stand the test of time and, and be utilized uh, in a useful way while they were building this other concept and you know just just really the juggle of it is what stood them apart do you own a harley i back home in texas i have a sportster it's really my dad's but i've spent uh, a bunch of years going home and stealing it from them and uh, uh you know going out for days on end uh it's, I, I think the sportster's is probably my current favorite of their line
0: you've been riding a, a what is it bmw
1: yeah, I've been mostly a BMW guy over the years, uh, R1200Rs and R1200Cs. I've owned everything though. I've had Hondas and Suzuki's, and uh, well, that's
0: because uh, you keep wrecking them.
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> you have to um, buy new ones <laughs> every time I wreck one. I go, well, time to get us something else. I guess that's probably what it is. It's probably that I, I just get, you know, I get antsy and I want a new bike, and, and wrecking it uh, was always the only, uh, the only way of saying bye to a bike for me.
0: Well, it'd probably do you good to sit back and take a break maybe for a couple of years until you slow down a little, maybe age a little, I guess, grow go right. old and uh, and then you'd be able to get back on the bike and uh, and feel good. I, I really hope you don't stay off the bike forever.
1: No, no, it'll always it'll always be calling to me and I I'll I'll, uh, I'll go back someday. I'll grow in the virtue of temperance a little more and then, you know, when I'm a little older, it'll be time.
0: Yeah. I think that when, when I sit here and talk with you about this, that you saying you, you quit riding right before you did this film and then you've done the film. I don't know. I don't know if you're really out there yet.
1: <laughs> it was really hard to, uh, come off this project and stick to my guns on, on the no motorcycle thing. I mean, every day I've been, I've been just kind of looking at bikes going, man, what's my next one? What's my next one? But you know, I, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stick to it. And, and, and maybe I'll treat myself uh, maybe once a year and, and, you know, go rent something and go for a cruise. I don't know.
0: Or get a sidecar. That's got to slow you down.
1: There you go. There you go. Put the kids in the sidecar.
0: Well, Bug, great film. It's, and you, you did an excellent job in it, in my opinion. And thanks very much for telling us about it.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. And, and thank you for that, that kind compliment. I'm, I'm glad you saw it. And I look forward to hearing uh, what everyone thinks about it.
0: I've been speaking with actor and motorcyclist Bug Hall, who played the role of Arthur Davison in the new miniseries from Discovery called Harley and the Davisons. It'll be broadcast around the world, so check your local listing to see when it's going to be aired in your area. It's already aired in the United States, but you can also drop by their website, Discovery Go, and you can stream it from there. Drop by our website, www.adventurerideradio.com, and check out the show notes for this. We've got pictures, some other information, and links to the corresponding websites I've mentioned. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, serving adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can sign up for their e-rider newsletter, too. It's free. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and B-Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, you'll need a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and will inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, and get this, it comes with a lifetime warranty. It's the pump we use here at Adventure Rider Radio. Visit them at CyclePump.com. That's CyclePump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles, tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding. Green Chili Adventure Gear is also the exclusive USA distributor for Outback Motor Tech, a Canadian company that specializes in high-quality protection for motorcycles. Visit them at www.greenchiliadv.com. Greenchiliadv.com. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Don't forget to drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com. You can look at the show notes for this episode, and you can download all our episodes for free. It's all there. Enjoy. I want to give special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, who helps make all of this happen, and you, the listener, for listening to the shows. If you like what we're doing here and you want to help the show out, we built it on a model of some advertising and donations, Consider dropping by our website. Click on the donate button. Anything you give will certainly help fill the gaps here at Adventure Rider Radio. My name is Jim Martin. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. See you next week. I'm Natasha Martin, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.